0: Good morning, my friends. Welcome to this episode of Healing Your Codependency. I'm Marshall Berkshire, and I'm your guide into releasing the habit of trying to fix ourselves, helping you love yourself so that you can go out and create the world, the life, the joy that you want in your world. So that's today's tagline. Good morning. I'm excited to be here with you today. With this topic, we're starting a new series I call The Essentials. And today we're going to be talking about essential number one, which is building emotional safety again. So we're going to be jumping into that. Before we do that, I'm going to share this out real quick to the community. If you're looking for guidance, you're looking for additional tools and support, in your healing journey, come join us in the community. The link is above on Facebook, below on YouTube, and if you're listening to podcast, it's on my website at healyourcodependency.com. So come join us there. And let's click the buttons and get this shared out to the community real quick. Boom, there we are, and voila. So, good morning. Today's topic, again, is that building emotional safety. So we I start here with my students. We start with safety because you can't heal if you don't feel safe enough to make change in your world. And that's the crucial thing we're missing in our work a lot of times. We read a book. We watch a YouTube video. We even enroll in a course. We do work with a therapist or a coach. And safety isn't something I have found that is properly maximized often in and at least my experience with these things—I've taken a lot of them, I've watched a lot of things, I've read a lot of books. Safety is mentioned, but it's not—it's not. It's not we, we don't slow down the process to cultivate it because I mean, I get it. We want to get onto the the other things, right? Getting onto living our life beyond the codependency, beyond the thing that the pain and the, the trauma or the fear, whatever that might be, that comes up and grips us. But we can't build sustainable healing, we can't build sustainable well-being or happiness without safety being properly cultivated and maintained in our life. And so safety, in my work, comes in three specific areas. we got to have what's called physical safety. Now, it involves, uh, one, our physical, actually being physically safe, having shelter, having access to water, food, money, and our ability to take care of ourselves. That's... Physical safety. Then we have what's called emotional safety. Emotional safety is our ability to acknowledge what we feel, to feel the emotions and sensations we have in our body without becoming overwhelmed, flooded, or hijacked by them. Being able to move through them, letting them process and move into a space of stillness, and then allowing what shows up after that to become uh, a present with us. And then allowing it also involves how we receive the emotional expressions of others, especially when we're dealing with like anxious, avoidant or disorganized attachment. the reception of others' emotions can be overwhelming. It can be scary. It can be flooding, engulfing. It could be not enough. It could be uh, inspire a chase towards them to keep it coming, stuff like that. It can be very confusing to us. So, Emotional safety does involve being able to process and receive the emotional expressions others contribute to us, and then move into a witnessing of those emotions with these individuals that we're connecting with, so that we don't absorb their emotions. And instead, we are bounded. We're bounded in our empathy. We're bounded in our emotional responses, so that we're staying our own autonomy and we're able to connect with them rather than enmesh or avoid them. So emotional safety has a lot of uh, components, characteristics to it. We're going to be exploring that here in the emotional, uh, restoring or building emotional safety segment of this series, The Essentials. Today we we start, and then I've got to give you the third one. The third safety is relational safety, and we'll be talking about that. But that's how safe it feels to connect with and relate with and share with ourselves and with others' life. Good morning, Pam. Nice to see you. So I'm building emotional safety or restoring it back to our life if, if we had it in the past. Because sometimes we grow up not ever for actually having emotional safety. I did not grow up feeling emotionally safe. I don't have a cognizant memory of a time where my emotions were welcomed with warmth and care and understanding that came a lot later in my life back you know like 10 years ago <laughs> kind of thing so for some of us we never really experienced emotional safety to start with and some of us we had it and then it was damaged disrupted or destroyed through abuse and neglect our work is is to become is to build it to connect with it to begin either to discover it or restore it to our life specifically In emotional safety, we have to start with our willingness to acknowledge what we feel. Because there's this paradox with safety, and that is when we start to feel safer, we relax. The body relaxes, the nervous system relaxes, our vigilance relaxes, and that feels unsafe. So we tighten back up, become vigilant again, and then we feel safe because The idea is the nervous system has not yet realized, the body hasn't yet realized that it's back in a safe place, that that its environment is safe, that it can manage safety, and it can build resources to safety. Because a lot of times our trauma happens when we're really young, and we don't have the brain capacity, we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the experience, we don't have the resources to actually create safety in our world. We depend on... The parent, we depend on the community to provide that for us because we don't have that capability at that time. But as we grow, one of the things that, at least in a healthy system, right, we are empowered to build safety. So one of the the first challenges here, the first steps in rebuilding safety or creating it for the first time is to acknowledge that safety isn't outside of us. It's not out here. It's not in the environment, it's not in other people, and it's not in how other people behave. This is one of the more challenging components of safety because codependency, we have had to externalize our focus on external factors, people, places, and things. And, and to feel safe, we've had to either try to control or influence those to do certain things or avoid them altogether so we feel safe healing our connection with safety, building real connection with safety, and building real safety really requires us to bring those things home. Like, uh, I don't depend on this person to be safe. I see if they behave in safe ways. Do they show up in ways that respect my boundaries? Do they respect my boundaries? Do they respect my yeses and my noes? How do they respond to my needs and my wants and my bids for connection? How do they respond to my autonomy, my my personality, my individuality? Do I feel physically safe with them? Are they protective? Are they warm? Are they inviting? Are they critical? And when we talk about these traits, we're not talking about one-off events. We're talking about patterns of behavior they they chronically exhibit. So it's something that we can predict based on their past behaviors. And so... Learning that that's our first step in the safety. Hey, can I acknowledge what they're doing? Because what it does in this approach is we now can resource ourselves. We're like, ah, I can choose to be with this person because they behave in a safe way. Rather than going, I need to change the way this person behaves so I feel safe. That's the difference here. We can acknowledge what they are, we can make requests for change. We, hey, could you do this differently? It'd feel safer. More close for me, and, and they will or will not do it. And then we've got to see what they actually do with the request to determine if they're actually going to move farther away from feeling like a safe individual for us or closer to it. But we, we aren't, but if we were looking at trying to control them that they were the source of our safety, then we would try to continually try to force them to be something they're choosing not to be. So instead, when we internally orient our safety, And it becomes more about who we choose, what we choose, and when we choose it. That's our first shift there, is to acknowledge that, ah, the environment, other people, places, and things are not responsible for my safety. I am. And that can be a bit blunt. That can be a bit, like, confrontational to ourselves. Like, oh, I'm responsible for that. And that can be a big thing to, to just consider right there. So take your time there. If that's like, whoa, your body's like, whoa. Acknowledge that. Allow that to be there. Because that brings us to the second step in this process of starting to build emotional safety. And that is acknowledging what we feel. Allowing it to be there. Allowing it to be real and valid. I do this through a practice I call PAO. Pause, acknowledge, observe. So when I... My brain becomes aware that I'm sensing something. I'm having a sensation, a feeling, thought, perception, intuition. My first step there is to go, oh, I'm going to pause and notice what this is. I'm going to go, wow, there's something here. That leads me to the second step. I'm going to acknowledge it. What is it? I'm going to give it a name. I'm going to identify it. I'm going to identify its characteristics and its qualities. Where is it in my body? Is it big? Is it small? Is it deep or is it on the surface? Is it hot or is it cold? And sometimes we might struggle with those characteristics of identifying those attributes of the sensation. So we can start with something real, uh, like, what's a good word here? My brain just dropped the words. We start with the first step, location. Where is it? And we can just point at it. And that is enough. It's like, oh, I'm feeling something here might be tension might be anxiety might be numbness but i feel it here or i feel it here or whatever we might be sensing it we're going to allow that to take up a little space and we do that by observing it so observation is the practice of witnessing whatever is there so there's no judgment there's no analysis there's no resistance instead we're observing if whatever is present now if there's resistance analysis there great we observe that so we move into the role of being a witness of what's there. And that allows us to slow way down. And that slowing down allows us it allows us to comp- start accomplishing several things for ourselves. One, it moves us out of a reactive state. We're no longer reacting to something and having this knee-jerk impulse. Instead, we're like, okay, this is showing up for me. Two, it allows us to make space around the thing showing up, which means we're building capacity in our nervous system, in our body, to feel whatever's there. Three, it allows us to move into a responsive state. A responsive state is the ability to go, what is the response I want to do with this situation? What what principles do I value? Who do I want to be in this situation? What consequences am I willing to live with? And then we can choose how we respond to the situation rather than having a big activation be the response. So pause, acknowledge, and observe is a very powerful practice in helping us slow down, connect with and acknowledge our lived experience, or feelings, or sensations, what we're perceiving, gauge those things with whatever the situation is, and then respond to it based on what we value, what matters to ourselves. This is where we start building emotional safety. Because now, the emotion isn't a dangerous thing. It's not the enemy. It's not the thing that has to be fixed. Instead, it becomes information. It becomes a guide. It becomes um, a pointer for ourselves. It can point to needs. It can point to boundaries, it can point to desires, it can point to dislikes, but it's a pointer. As we pause, acknowledge, and observe more and more, we begin to cultivate the habit of listening or hearing what's there for ourselves, to allow whatever shows up there to be there, so that we can connect with and understand what it is. So Pam says, I'm still confused between the difference between ALI and PAO. So ALI stands for Acknowledge, Legitimize, and Integrate. Acknowledge, Legitimize, and Integrate comes after pause, acknowledge, and observe. Pause, acknowledge, and observe is a very slow, it's a process to slow down our thinking and our reactivity so we can connect deeper with what is there. So pause acknowledge and observe functions in the acknowledge step of the ALI practice. So I can see where it gets confusing because we're using the same terms. Um, and the acknowledgement is the same in both steps, and both processes. But in PAO, we don't legitimize what's showing up. We observe it instead. And then if we want to go deeper on it, what well, legitimization is, it means to make real and valid to ourselves. So I can be like, I've, I'm observing these sensations showing up for me. And then I can be like, yeah, I'm feeling real tension here. Of course I am. I'm in the middle of a situation that feels really, really vulnerable for me. That's legitimization. And then we pause and acknowledge what happens when we legitimize it. What What shifts for us in that? And then we can integrate that. That helps us integrate the shift. We'll be talking more about ALI in a couple of episodes from here. So, But PAO pause, acknowledge, and observe it allows us to just slow down and become cognizant of what we're feeling and what we're sensing. So it's designed to help us become more aware of what is really happening for us. It rebuilds our what's called the mind-body connection. So the mind isn't out here running around analyzing everything. Instead, it's sensing into itself and the body's giving it inf- feedback and information. This is crucial to emotional safety because if emotions are too much, if emotions are scary, wrong, bad, then we're going to fight them, we're going to avoid them, we're going to resist them, we're going to try to change them, and that's very scary to the body, that's scary to us. So this helps us start pivoting our emotional relationship with ourselves. so that what we feel becomes safer and safer and we can connect with and understand what's real for us. So to do that, I um, you can go I'll put it in the description. I didn't do that this time, but I'll edit them. So, if you're watching via YouTube or Facebook, in the description, you can go to paohfreethought.com and get the POA practice, PAO practice for free, and you know, start this today. If you're listening via podcast, go to the li- You go to my website at healyourcodependency.com and you go up to resources, the library, and then uh, tools. Uh, healing tools, and it'll be listed there. So, there you go, my friends. Let's play with this. Let me know what you discover as you just practice PAO. Pause, acknowledge, and observe, and allow your your mind and body to reconnect and start experiencing life a little slower. And then in our next episode, we're going to discuss how we build safety with this practice by incorporating the change a little deeper. So a little more on... ALI and integration. So go gently with yourselves. I'll see you in our next episode. Have a great day, guys. Bye bye.